Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. So I look at in Proverbs where it says wisdom stands at the gates of the city and cries out for all who will hear. I mean, even in the Old Testament, wisdom is outside of the city before you ever even go into the city and wisdom is standing there calling out to you. You know, the revealed Romans tells us that nobody has an excuse. God has revealed himself to every man and woman. You know, this is, a, this is a conversation that you have with evangelists or you have with people that think that God is unjust about giving people an opportunity for salvation that may have never heard the gospel. Well, God has revealed himself to every man. I mean, even this group of Kenyans on the backside of a mountain in the middle of nowhere, Kenya, that had never heard the gospel, once they were reached by Teresa, which is a missionary we support, they felt that God was mad at them because of their behavior. So internally, they, they just, there was this moral code. You know, They just knew the difference. They knew the difference of how to live and not to live. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't really know anything about anything. But, and it's not just about law-keeping or what's right and what's wrong. It's about there's a creator, and you are accountable to him. Not one person on this planet has the excuse, I didn't know. Now, they might not have heard the gospel, but inwardly they've heard the voice of God reveal himself to them. That's why when you evangelize, you know, you kind of just take the assumptive approach. They already believe. They really believe. They've just put all this other stuff on top of it, whether it be, you know, a legalistic upbringing, maybe just sheer ignorance they've never been told, or injustice, you know, a lot of the hardcore atheists that are anti-God, not just atheist, but anti-God, when you really nail them down and they realize that they're not going to win you over with the science, they always revert to the character of God. They start trying to point out all of these things, that they think that how they interpret what God did. Well, I would never worship that kind of God. You know, it always comes back to they're just angry at God. They think that he's unjust because they haven't studied it through and seen his justice resolved in Christ. And when they can see that, then that's when their hearts start to change. You know, there might still be some questions. But anyway, this listening thing, you know, so God has revealed himself to everyone. And his wisdom has been revealed into the earth. And it's why you can see people, you know, like in Ecclesiastes, in the Psalms with David and other people have kind of cried out to God. It's like, why are the wicked prospering? You know, it's because you can choose to live. I mean, some of it's uh, immoral control, but you look at people that are in the business world that are not believers and they're just applying good, basic biblical principles. They're going to prosper because that's the way this world works. You just, you can apply the wisdom of God without being a believer and it works because that's the way this planet works. And it just goes to show that you doing a principle properly And God blessing you is not necessarily a reward as much as it is. If you live in according to his law, it produces blessing in this life. You know, there's just a certain way to live, right? If you jump off a diving board properly, it will give you blessing rather than cursing. You know what I mean? 
food. You got a choice, you know. We all know what the wise choice in food is, but we reach for those Doritos anyway, you know. So his wisdom is out there, and it says that his wisdom is before the city, at the gate before you ever even go in. And then you hook that to Jesus is unto us wisdom. And we know that, so, you know, you kind of go through this process. All right, wisdom is there. It's available. How do I access it? Okay, Jesus has made unto me wisdom. I'm a believer. Christ now lives in me. That is my hope. That is my expectation to experience God's view and opinion of life. You know, when I yield to him, he will lead me into wisdom. And then you couple that over where Jesus teaches about what the Holy Spirit will do, lead you and guide you into all truth, tell you things to come. And I am convinced before you ever make a decision, the Holy Spirit, in metaphorical terms or however you want to say it, is going to stand before you and lay out the truth to you and show you choose life or choose death. You have an option here. We think we get backed into a corner and we're just doing the best we can, trying to get through life, trying to, you know, please God and keep him happy and stay away from the devil and pay our taxes and, you know, like all these tasky type things that we think the relationship with God is like. And we miss this relational element. Now, I'm not talking about jumping into this charismatic thing where it's like you learn how to hear a message, but... Going through this process where you become so familiar with who you are in Christ that your heart just will naturally choose this truth that he's going to lay out in front of you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. You know, so when you're getting ready to make these decisions, just, just make yourself impressionable. Make yourself pliable before, before the Lord. Maybe even go in Scripture. You're not going to Scripture to lift out a principle, to try to apply it, to make God happy, to then get blessed, Right? You're, you're putting that scripture in there to renew your mind so your heart is receptive to his leading. That's how you use the word. You, you, you sow the word through your mind into your heart so your heart is receptive to him. Because if it's just in your head but your heart's not there, well, we've all been there. And that's the most frustrating place to be, right? It's like, I know what this says. Yeah, but you are in, you're angry at God. Look at what's going on in your heart right now. How receptive are you to this actually producing fruit, you know? And that's the battle. I mean, that's the battle. I believe God's a healer. I believe in every situation God wants you healed, yet I'm sitting here with a boot on my foot, coming up on crutches, you know? Well, God did that to you to humble you, brother. <laughs> huh? That's bad theology, yeah. I mean, would you do that to your kids? No. I'm not just talking about humanism, but Jesus. So today I want to talk about two kinds of denial. There's two kinds, and I just made this up, so there may be more than two kinds, just so you know. <laughs> but for the sake of this message, two kinds of denial. <clears throat> one, you know, you're pretty familiar, denial, right? You sit with people, and you hear one story from this, maybe it's a, 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 you know, a couple, you hear one from the husband, and you hear one from the wife, and then they're not matching at all, and the other one's sitting there shaking their head when this one's telling their story, and one of them's like, that's really not that bad, you know, I got it under control, and the other one's like, you are as out of control as anything, you know. Somebody's in denial here, and it's denial over, it's not that bad. Or denial might even be, you know, I could do this, but I'll never go this far. You ever told yourself, we do that all the time. A little compromise here, a little compromise there. You know, I can do this, but I'll, ne I'll never be like that one. 
That's the, that's the deception behind sin. Is it's, it's like it's a continuum. It's the same thing. It's the same line. You just haven't progressed to that point yet. And you keep doing this, and you will. You take this little step, and the next thing, that seems reasonable, and then that seems reasonable, and then you just end up, you know? It's like H2O. You've heard this illustration probably, but what is, what is H2O? Water. You just ran the gamut. Everybody says water. What else is it? But H2O as a compound, what else is it other than water? No. In another, think water in another form. Ice, steam. So on this side, H2O is steam. This side, H2O is ice, but it's still H2O, right? The only thing that changes is the environment. And you control the environment that you're going to let your heart be susceptible to. And see, it's either we are going to be influenced by the world and our circumstances, or we're going to be influenced by God. And most times, you're influenced by both at the same time. That's called doubt. We're a bunch of doubters, and we do it all the time. <laughs> and this is not to beat ourselves up, but it's like we've got a choice. I've got a choice here, you know. I've got a choice of what I'm going to expect tomorrow to be. But that means I need to make a decision today. So learning to be real with yourself and be honest with yourself and then be honest with other people, you know, I, need, I need some help. Hey, can you help? Can you, you know, I, I've been doing this. I've been hiding it or I've been thinking this, or I feel this way, you know. Most, most times, especially in church, people are depressed or have anxiety and feel like, well, Christians aren't supposed to be depressed, so I can't tell anybody. you got, you got, to, you got to deal with it. Tell somebody. Talk about it. Find some help. Sometimes just talking about it and revealing your heart to somebody is the very thing that you need to release it, you know. Like, hey, I've been, you know, I just, I'm really worried here. I don't know why I just keep worrying about this thing, you know. What, what, help me out. And hopefully they don't say, well, bless God, brother, you just, you know. <laughs> they actually give you some wisdom and counsel. So that's the one form, is denying that there's a problem. The other form of, deni of denial is denying your true identity in Christ. Because we think... You know, it's either, it's either I don't have a problem or God can't do anything about my problem. They're, they're both denial. You know, how, how much do you actually expect or trust that God can do something in your life in this particular situation? You know, like for me, I meditate and pray, and I, and I believe that, you know, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is giving life to my physical body, and, and this thing is healing, and then, and then watch what happens. In the middle of it, I get a toothache. So now I've got two things to pray about. Now, isn't that a lot of fun? You know, it's like, God, I need some help here. I said that. I'm like, I need some help here. And, and I, know, I know enough now not to get bitter toward him because I know that he's giving me life, right? I know that he just gave me an immune system. Just the way that our physical body works is designed to bring life to you. I mean, you realize that in this moment right now, the way that your body is functioning, it's not designed to give you sickness or disease. You even have emotions that will warn you to stay away from things that are bad for you. Like an intangible, you know, will happen, and you get this feeling 
And it's like, I need to stay away from that. We just go right on through it, you know. But I'm convinced the more that we talk with other people about what's going on in our lives, the more sensitive our heart will be to God speaking to us. Because really what we're doing is when we're in denial about where we are, we're hardening our own hearts and we're just kind of shoving it down and not dealing with it, you know. And it, and, it, and it does. It builds a callus over your identity. You know, either, either it's a religious thing and you think you can't show it or, you know, maybe, maybe you do believe that God will do something about this, but in your heart or has done through Christ, but in your heart there's still that wavering and doubt. And, and you know, you, that's the t- open up to people. That's why the body needs the body, right? That's why we need people. That's why we need to show our love for one another because, man, I'm telling you, pray for one another that you might be healed. That's a real thing. And I'm not just talking about a miracle. I'm talking about emotional healing, the bonding of unity. And I think that as we become more real with each other, we will display that. You know, Because he says, love one another. And by your love for one another, they'll know that you're following me. It's like, okay, love one another. I'm going, today I'm going to love this one. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to love. Here we are. I'm loving you. And it's like, you know, versus I'm building a bond with this person that's stronger than any disagreement that we might have. Love is not necessarily, I don't like you right now, but I'm going to be nice to you. That might be a form of love, but really deeper than that is, you know, I have value for you beyond our differences, You know, we have the same father. We have a connection that is thicker than any issue that we might run across because we are in Christ. There's no division in Christ in any shape or form, whether it be what I'm going through, you know, just this transparency. So this, this two kinds of denial, which one are you in in which situation? Denying that there's a problem or denying that God can do something about it? You know, I went through this list last week, and I put it up um, on a, a blog post. But I want to go through this one more time. Maybe we have some visitors, but maybe it just might be a refresher for you. But these are areas where we, we let ourselves become deceived. And I'm going to get over to 2 Corinthians 5, if you want to turn there, and just kind of talk about dealing with our thoughts and dealing with our mind and dealing with our just where we are even emotionally, you know. So... Deception, self-denial, starts in a lot of different ways. And now, the, you know, like I joked last week, we might need to do the Foxworthy. You know, you might be in denial if you, you know better, but you still do it, or you don't do it, right? It's like, you know you shouldn't do that, but you still do it. The denial might be not just that's a problem, but it might be, you know what, God can do something in my heart so that my desire changes toward that thing. You know, if you have something that you're struggling with, do you really trust and believe that the influence of God inwardly can change that desire? You know, you have to want it. You have to be able to be willing to co-labor with him, make yourself impressionable before him. But do you really believe that he can change the leopard spots in you? Right? I mean, do you really believe that inwardly you can naturally desire something different than that thing that's bringing destruction to you. You know, we're very familiar with the one form of denial, 
I don't have that problem, but I really do. But the other one is, you know, do, where do I, do I really believe that God can change this, you know? And it's not that he's just going to fly in on a cloud and change it independent from your will. It's a co-laboring, you know. It's, a, it's one step with him at the same time walking together. So when you can't let yourself see the truth of a situation, meaning you try to make it fit your view. Now, some of these will apply to you. Some of them won't. You know, maybe you've got this problem. You keep trying to do it the same way over and over and making it fit into what you want it to look like. Another one is when you choose confusion. You know, it's like the picture is the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you into all truth. He's standing before you at the gate before you make that choice, before you go down that road. Here is the truth. And you look at it and you say, I'm confused. That's a choice. Now, confusion, you know, is in different areas, but when it's the character of God and what he's promised and we're confused over what he's promised, uh, you might be confused over why it's not in your life, why you're not seeing the manifestation of it, but don't confuse that God's desire is to keep his promises. Amen? If you have someone you can manipulate and blame or you're letting that person manipulate and blame you, You know, talking about codependency. Do we need to take a laugh break? I mean, I know it gets kind of... <laughs> when someone else tells you the truth, do you defend your position or can you hear it? If you find yourself in the same adversity over and over and over and over, you ever, does, that, does that happen to you? It's like, here I am again. You might be denying that God can inwardly work through you and change whatever that is that keeps driving you into that thing. You know, if people keep, if people seem to keep saying the same thing to you over and over, <laughs> why do people keep saying that? Or when you hold on to unrealistic expectations. So flip over to Second Corinthians five because I want to talk about. You know, it's funny that we, gosh, we take so much of the Bible out of context when we're trying to study it and learn it. But so in 2 Corinthians 5, um, he's actually not talking about spiritual warfare here. He's talking about church discipline. He's talking about Paul. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And Paul is talking about his authority within the body of Christ as an apostle and them rejecting his authority, and he's dealing with where they are. He's talking about deception and disobedience, and, you know, he's, he's trying to handle it the best he can, but it's like, you know, if you knew the, what the church of Corinth was like, you realize why he was saying, look, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you were standing in front of one of the torchbearers in Virginia that's a Christian, and you're telling them, are you kidding me? Do you realize what that torch signals? to those that were slaves or rounded up and hung from a tree? Because that's the message you're sending. That's kind of what he's doing to these guys, you know. So, but, but there's a principle in here in how to deal with your thoughts. So we're going to look at the principle rather than the context of what he's saying because the principle applies in multiple situations. Does that make sense to you? So when you read the Bible, you want to take it all in context 
and you can't always lift out one passage and make it say what you want to say, but if there's a universal principle in there, you can apply it in different areas. So 2 Corinthians 5.3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight, and I'm in the NIV, yep. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every devil and tie it up and throw it at the feet of Jesus. Is that what it says? Was any of that right? Is it 10? 2 Corinthians 10. I might have put it in my notes wrong. Somebody look it up real quick. 10 5. 2 Corinthians 10 5. Oh, I see what I did. Try, try starting with 10 3. Sorry about that. All right. Let me, let me read that again. Ready? For though we live in the world, we, don't, do, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You know how many times that word, that Greek word strongholds is in the Bible, in the New Testament? One. Amazing the doctrine that gets built up out of, off of that thing. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Spiritual warfare, or mental warfare, is really what he's getting at here, which is where spiritual warfare happens, is not you chasing and binding and tying up devils and taking them to Jesus and saying, you better submit what's your name, devil? You ever seen, you've seen those? <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's like a true story, isn't it? Like, what's your name, devil? Liar. Are you lying to me? <laughs> so, all right, stronghold. Here's what the word strong... No, so I'm, I'm talking about our thoughts. I'm talking about God influencing our hearts, and we choose to follow him, but it happens in your mind and it happens in your heart. Very rarely are you going to see a hand manifest into the room and write something on the wall. Very rarely are you going to hear an audible, an audible voice. That's happened to me twice, both times to save my life because I wasn't paying attention, and he's like, light. I almost stepped on a snake in Kenya, and I had to, he told me to put my light on, and there it was, and I wouldn't have seen it had I not heard it. So very rarely are you going to hear an very rarely are you going to hear like complete sentences from God. You know what I mean? You might. It comes more in terms of, you know how when, you're, when you've been married for a while or you just know this person and you kind of look at them and you get the sense from their body language and the look on their face and, and in a real way you're like, okay, I know what that means. Let's do this instead of that, you know. <laughs> and, and it doesn't put you on the defensive. It's just you've learned, you're just in tune with each other, right? That's kind of how it is with the Holy Spirit. You just know each other, you know? You just know his heart. You just feel those impressions. It's not about him disseminating information to you as much as it is, him showing you his character and you moving in that direction. 
So if you don't get messages from God, some of you might. That's fine. But if you don't, don't worry about it. Just trust that you're a sheep and you know his voice. And you will follow him when you're in faith toward him. Amen? So this is what we're wanting is to be transformed from the heart so that we're led by God naturally without it being some weird, mystical, religious thing. We're just living naturally as believers of our God and our Father. So it's easier than you realize that it is, but there's this denial battle going on in your mind of either you're still identifying with the old you in this earth, or you're, maybe you're not doing that, but you've not fully identified with Christ in you in whatever the situation is. So look for ways that this applies to you, because I'm not going to like bring all this down to say, okay, do this here. You know what I mean? So just kind of listen with an open heart. But this word stronghold, we've been taught, is a devil. A devil comes in, and the devil is the stronghold. But look at what the definition of stronghold is. It's the Greek word, something like that. Acherama, I think that's how you say it. Acherama. And it's a stronghold is a castle, a fortress, anything on, this is the second definition, anything on which one relies. See, what we're doing here, you can put this back up again, in context of dealing with our thoughts, dealing with our heart, so that we're in faith toward God and we're actually expecting the promises of God to be manifest in our life, expecting that because we are disciples, we're disciplining our minds and our hearts after his teachings and his ways and his spirit, we're following him by faith, then we deal with this stuff here. Uh, we don't war as the world does. Weapons of our warfare, uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The word stronghold, it means anything on which one relies. Isn't that interesting? So then he goes on to talk about bringing thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. So in context, we see that a stronghold is a thought. And even deeper, it's a belief. And the enemy can be attracted to your negative belief and reinforce that stronghold. He starts kind of throwing sandbags at the bottom of that thing to reinforce it. And I'll, I'll describe how in just a minute. But the word stronghold, here's another kind of sub-definition of the arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Yep. Of the, and this is just straight out of the Strong's Concordance for the Greek word acheromai or something in, for strongholds. Of, our, of the arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend itself against his opponent. And sometimes we are our own opponent. Sometimes God is our opponent, and we don't even realize that he's our opponent. We look at our lives, and we're like, God, why? Why, why, why are you letting this happen? You know, he becomes your opponent. And guess who's listening at that point? And guess what that's going to do to your mind and your heart? You start doubting God, you know. You end up like Adam and Eve and transition over into it. It's like, you know what, God, I think you're holding out on me. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil myself. I'm going to, come be, I'm going to become my own God in this situation. I'm going to go over here and choose 
you know, good from evil for myself because you're not cutting it. My life doesn't look like what you said it would look like. It's your fault. Therefore, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to take control of my life and do it myself this way. Now, we don't mentally, you know, consciously do that, but this is, it happens, and then it becomes a stronghold, and then our heart becomes hard, you know? But, but it's so easy to dissolve that stuff and deal with it, and that is meditate on what Christ did for you. You know, when you understand what he did for you, that's why I, that's why I spend most, I mean, this is a bit of an unusual thing, uh, type of message for me, but this is where we live but the solution is where we always camp out on, and that is affirming your identity in Christ because that's always the solution to go back and remember the cross. Go back and look at what he did and affirm to yourself who you are in him and who he is in you and your rightful position of authority hidden with Christ in God, seated at the right hand of the Father, whose mercies are new every day, whose all his promises are yes and amen for those who are in Christ. The, him who there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know, you kind of go back and you're just like, all right, let me, let me reaffirm my relationship and my identity in Christ before I deal with this depression that I'm dealing with or before I deal with this attitude that I have toward God because this hasn't happened yet, right? It's like clear the air with him first. He's, he's a big boy. He can handle it. Be honest with yourself and be open with him. Amen? Because he's the, only, he's the source of life. You know, it, it's, it's like, in, you don't have to go there, but in James 1 that we read last week, if you didn't listen to last week, it's up on the podcast. But he says, Therefore, get rid of moral filth and evil so that it that is so prevalent and humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You know, that concept's just been rolling around in my heart and mind. Am I humbly accepting the word that is in me that can save me? And the word save is, you know, heal, deliver, restore, keep safe, rescue, prosper. You know, all that. It's an all-inclusive word. So, and then looking at verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, are, are, you, are you getting something out of this? I mean, I know it's kind of like, oh, I need to deal with my stuff. but the world deserves for you to deal with your stuff. Because we can show them what a human heart yielded to God looks like. Verse 5, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So um, every thought... Or every, so we demolish arguments, this word arguments. In the Greek, and there's, it's, it's this word logismos. And I'm wanting to get technical. Did I say it wrong? Okay. <laughs> logismos, which is, you know, a form of logos. But watch, what it ta- watch how it's manifested or how it's given in different translations. The Greek word used to describe imaginations or, in this case, arguments. And see, this is, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for these arguments that are in our mind that, that make God unjust in our hearts. Are you following me? Is this practical to you? Because I know there's situations in your life and you're thinking, well, God, what's the deal here, you know? 
Those are the areas you got to watch out that you don't start running this pattern of deceit or argument or in other translations, imaginations. God gave you an imagination for a reason. And it's not to plan your funeral when you have a toothache. Are you following me? You have a rough month. Your imagination is not to plan your standing in line at the welfare office. I'm going to get there somehow. I don't know. I'm still wondering kind of. But. Are you following me? Because we know what God has said, right? And we don't back down from that. We don't make apologies for believing that every promise that God has made is ours in Christ. And we fully believe to experience every one of them. But when they are not there, where does your imagine take you? Because that's the thing that you are to get a hold of and bring it and make sure that it lines up with what Christ was obedient to. And this is where we're going. That imagination track that you're running, does it lead you to the conclusion Christ in his obedience accomplished this or is it to a totally opposite direction, right? So when you start running those imaginations, get a hold of yourself, grab your mind, do whatever it takes, you know? Smack yourself. Listen to your wife. And, but here's the thing, though. That's why being open and in relationship with one another is so valuable. Because then you've given other people entrance into your life to help you. To say, hey, you know, I kind of noticed your attitude's really bad lately. Without it being, what? 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 You know, you're like, oh. This person loves me. I should probably listen in this moment right now, you know? I mean, how many of you have friends and you can say the just most awful things to them and they're like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> but not enough hands went up. We're just being nice. <laughs> being nice, yeah. That's real world love for one another. Because the world looks at Christian love in a lot of times, and it's like, it just looks fake. But when they see us in the dirt with each other, and, and like, you know, there's a lot to be, there in, the Jew, in Jewish culture, and among rabbis especially, if you hear them discussing the word of God, it sounds like cats fighting sometimes. It's like, they go at it, but they're discussing something that they have common value for, and it doesn't drive a wedge in the relationship. You know, we, we need to learn how to do that as well. And, and we need to learn how to let our hearts be open to other people and help us get our mind back on track because you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, good or bad. You will be transformed into an agent of disease and death if you allow that stuff to sit in your mind and go that direction. Or you will be transformed into the image of his dear son, which you were predestined. God doesn't want you in this side. He decided ahead of time, I want you over here experiencing this. 
So let my word bear fruit in you that can save you. Humbly accept my word. But it's, you know, can we humbly accept other people's correction? Now, this doesn't mean you get to, this is not a license for on the way home, you get to say mean things to your spouse. And <laughs> so imaginations, thoughts, uh, arguments inside, internally, um, reasonings. You know, you ever reasoned away the word of God? Translate in other versions the phrases, every proud argument against God, every proud obstacle or arguments, or speculations. I mean, that's a big one, speculation. We speculate all the time. Well, what if? What if this? And, and you think I'm kidding, but it, you, if it's a bad enough what if, you're planning your funeral. Yep. Rationalization, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, he said rationalization. You know, you you take one step this way, you're not that far off course, but you keep going, you keep going, and you and it seems very rational. You know, the natural mind receives not the things of the spirit. It might make sense for you to go ahead and plan your funeral. You've planned yours. That's good. I, but you know what I mean by that, right? It's like something happens, and then you go to the extreme in your mind. Some of y'all need to repent from hypochondria. It's, it's you know, man, and then, and then we, get, we get all fired up about it. We get just in a tizzy. And it's like, okay, what, if you are feeling emotional about this negative thing in your life, you are actually very good at meditating on something until it produces a reaction. <laughs> How about you get a hold of that thing and you meditate on it so that it's in, a, in alignment with what God has promised until it produces those emotions and that reaction. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where you got to get your heart involved. That's why faith people get accused of being in denial because out of their mouth comes all of these things, and somebody's standing there going, I hear you confessing that word, but, well, you know, this doesn't add up. The difference is the heart, you know? The heart meaning, do you believe it? Are you, let me say it this way. If you believe it in your heart, you are convinced of that aspect of the character of God, right? You're convinced that that aspect is accurate of the character of God. And you, you hold on to that. You're not trying to believe that God is that. You know that he is that. You know that he's a healer. You know that he's a... That is no, there's no question that God is a healer. So then you take one step back from that, then where do you go from there? You know, that's where every step along the way, okay, so if I know that he's a, a provider but yet my needs aren't met in this situation. Don't stick something in between there that says, well, he doesn't want it for me, or he wants me in this place of desperateness for a little while. You know, don't, don't make that kind of stuff up because those things are not what Christ revealed about his character. Amen. Settle in your heart. He is who he is. Amen. And I'm not going to try to 
blame myself or blame God or blame the government or whatever. I, all I know to do is focus on who God is. Amen. And the more confident I am in that, his word, because, you know, it's acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. Amen. Stay connected and you will be influenced by him. You know, I think about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which those were their, those were their changed names. I forget what their Hebrew names were. But there was, so King Nebuchadnezzar had built a statue, and Nebuchadnezzar was making everyone bow down to this statue, and these three Hebrew children wouldn't do it. They knew who God was. They weren't going to bow. They knew. They were like, uh, we keep getting in trouble when we bow down to idols, so we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a Veggie Tales about it. So Nebuchadnezzar sees these three guys, and he brings them up to where they're throwing people into the fire that will not bow down and worship the statue. And so they come up, and he says, "All right, see the fire, bow." And they're like, "Nope, not going to do it." And he says, "Make it ten times hotter." They make it hotter, so hot that the flames consume the guys that are making the fire. And they're standing there, and they're like, nope, not going to do it. You know, I mean, think about this. What, what fire are you facing, but you're still going to trust God? See, here was their answer. Now, I think their answer has been misinterpreted Amen. because their answer was, King, whether you burn us or not doesn't matter. We know that our God will deliver us. Amen. That's their statement. But just to show their heart to him of their resolve toward their God, and I don't think they needed to say this. I think this is just what caused the king to start shaking in his boots. They said, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. See, they expected him to deliver them. But their attitude was, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter because I know that he's a deliverer. The circumstances of my life... Do not change the character of God. The more that I can trust that God is who he says that he is, the more I will be open to experience that aspect of him. He is truth. That's what truth does. Love the truth. Hold on to the truth. Go through and meditate on the names who he has revealed himself to be. Look at how Jesus treated people. That's who God is. Not your circumstance. They said, even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. Then they get thrown in the fire. And then there's a fourth man in there with them. And the only thing that burns off when they're in the fire facing this thing that could consume them, the only thing that gets burned off are the things that are holding them, the, the bonds. They're standing in there. Their own clothes didn't even burn. I believe that's a true story. I don't think that that is a literary Example, I think that actually happened. They come out of the fire, and they don't even smell like smoke. We come out of the fire, and we've got a little bit of attitude. <laughs> right? Like, you go through this, and you're like, either your attitude is, look what I went through, yeah. or it's, God, why did you, you know, you're a little gunshot target. One way or the other, it can leave a smell in your garment. <laughs> But that's the attitude, right? Even if he doesn't, we know that our God is a deliverer. 
How convinced are you of the character of God in your life? So much so that it doesn't matter what happens to me. Honestly, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm just collectively, you know, the collective me. (laughs) Doesn't matter what happens to we. It's, it's, God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar, right? It just so happens that he's a good father, that he wants to lead you and guide you into blessing. He wants to develop his character in you. He gave the example. He said, look, these guys that are evil are giving bread to their kids. You think that I am not going to do better? Well, you think I'm going to give you a snake, a rock? What do you think? I can see God. You know, I love thinking. I love thinking street-type communication with God in those situations. Like, you hear it, and it sounds all, you know, elevated, but I can just see God. It's like, what do you, what do you think? I'm going to give you a rock to eat? Look at these guys. They, they're terrible, and they're feeding their kids. Aren't I better than them? Amen. Don't you know who I am? That's what he did to Job. Job is accusing him. That's a whole other thing. Job's accusing him, and you know, it's before the law, which is why with Job it says that, that his sin wasn't held against him or that he sinned not against God. He didn't know any better. It was pre-law. He didn't know. So when God shows up and he's been railing and his buddies get together and they're all blaming God, and, and God's like, are you kidding me? You're talk- Where were you when I did all this? Where were you when I did all that? I could do this to you. And, and, you know, and he's not threatening He's just revealing his heart to Job, and Job's like, oh, man, I'd heard about you, but now I know you. Now I see your character. And he repented of everything that he said, even all the way back to when he said God gives and God takes away. He was wrong, and he repented of saying that. It's true that Job said that, but that is not a true statement about the character of God. And if you read it honestly, if you read Job honestly, That's the conclusion that you come to. God showed up and he corrected Job's view of himself and Job changed his mind. He said, oh, wow, I didn't know. Uh, I was wrong. He says, I was wrong, is what he says in there. And he says he repents of all of that stuff that he accused God. So, you know, I mean, that's that's where we are. That's the decision that we're left with. In our mind, because that's where the battle is, when stuff happens, when life starts to go a little off course and you... You can start calculating your money and you can start, you know, what is my life going to look like this if this happens? And then you go, what are they going to think? And, and, you know, and it just goes, you just go crazy. Stop yourself in that moment. Grab something that you know that's true about God and replace it with that vain imagination and begin to imagine life under the influence of God and this aspect of who he is being manifest in your life and Regardless of the circumstances, it's true of him no matter what. Amen? That's my resolve because it's been, to me personally, it's been a tough couple of weeks. It gets, it's gotten in my head, you know. I don't really care what y'all think about me, so that's not what I'm worried about. It's the part of, uh, well, just, you know, dealing with it. You know, just, just that mental, I forget. Life has been really good, and you forget sometimes how exhausting a mental battle can be. 
So, you know, cut yourself some slack if you're struggling with something. Cut yourself some slack if you're in doubt or fear has crept in. Doubt that doubt, but also take responsibility for what you believe about who God really is. Because when you believe, see, that's the nature of belief and being confident in him. It's not just information that you're convinced of. It's that the more convinced you are, the more in connection you are, or the more you're going to let that spirit transform you. The more in relationship you are, the more you're going to let him influence you. It's just like with people. The closer you get with people, the more you're going to let them influence you and speak into your life. It's the same thing with God. The closer you are with him, the more you get to know him, the more you're going to let yourself be shaped and molded by him. You know? I want to, I want to go through life not being swayed by stuff that happens, but just constantly knowing but well, this is who God is. Amen. This stuff over here, that'll pass. But this is who God is. And this is who God wants to be in my life. Amen? Amen. Can you make that decision? Think about an area in your life right now of, you know, maybe there's a doubt. Maybe there's a struggle. Maybe there's a wavering. Whatever it is, maybe it's something that's not in your life that you feel like God should put in your life. And just think about the Lord. And think about him being that element. That, you know, the, think about his character. God, you are a provider. It's what you do. You are a healer. It's just what you do. You are a comforter. It's who you are. Identify that area of his character that you want to experience. And just think about it for a minute. You know, let your, let your heart settle for a minute. Maybe even just relax physically for a moment as you, as you think about who he has revealed himself to be. God, you're my redeemer. You are my righteousness. Maybe it's a repetitive sin issue, but you know that he's righteous and he lives in you. And you set that sin consciousness out of your mind and you put in that righteous consciousness because you're thinking only about him and his character. This is who you are. I'm going to get myself out of the way, and I'm going to let who you are and your character consume my mind and my awareness. And as I do, I know that that will transform me. I trust you, Lord. I thank you that your influence actually changes my emotions. It actually changes my thoughts. It changes my expectations and ultimately changes my life. So other people can see just how good you are to your children and desire you. We yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're leading us into truth. We are committed to taking those thoughts captive and making sure they agree with what Jesus paid for. I take responsibility for that in this moment.